There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Pieces. I'm Steve. A podcast dedicated to the NBC series Debris. I'm Sean Fangirl S. Exclusively on the Fangirl Zone. Now you may be wondering why you're not hearing a familiar voice. Well, Terry yeah. has gotten stuck in <laughs> the a time loop. Yeah, the dimensional rift there. <laughs> yes, he is in the fold, and we're trying to get Terry out of the fold. So, yes. fingers crossed that we'll get him out by next episode. Absolutely. Well, we do have some ratings for episode 11. Brought in 2.43 million viewers with a 0.37 rating in adults 18 to 49. That just seems so strange because it has been... Okay, from what I see, basically, when we're tweeting it, it's like it has so many people online talking about it. Right. But I really think a lot of people are watching on Peacock or or services just online. other than. Right. Yeah. If it's not watching through actual network, I wonder if it even counts. Right. That's not showing up on the numbers. Yeah. Because, I mean, you have all the other services that have with live TV that you can watch through. So. Yep. There's a lot of people talking about it, though. Yes, there are. So, uh, so it, we get season two. So, initial reactions. What do, what do you got, Steve? Interesting episode. Kind of had a flip-flop with uh, Brian and Fanola, which was very interesting to see him become the believer and her being doubtful. It's got my mind, like, reeling. Right. <laughs> because of things that were said in past episodes. And I know that the people who have been huge Fringe fans, who have Fringe fans, <laughs> Who are watching this probably have picked up a couple of things here and there. And I, it's from Fringe so much or like Doctor Who, but it's like when they mention something and then it comes up again a couple episodes later in kind of a passing sentence and then finally comes up again in this episode. It's like, what does that mean for the last few episodes? Is it going to be some weird, like huge time loop or something with the debris i don't know it's like it just got my head like trying to put together pieces of a puzzle that i just can't see right yeah. so it's like trying to put my a, head a all messed up puzzle together while being blind <laughs> it's like i don't know this this just got me like hmm what's gonna come next i like it though oh yeah totally like this 
All right, shall we jump into season one, episode 12, A Message from Ground Control? Let's do it. All right, our first group of pieces include in the hangar where the debris evidence is kept. Suddenly, cases are moving. And it was weird because at first one just kind of falls off and I'm like, oh, is it like an earthquake? I'm like, wait a second, aren't they in Virginia? Yeah. <laughs> so like that, that wouldn't make sense. But then other things kind of move and, and this poor tech, oh, I felt so bad for this guy. Yeah. I love it because he's like, how did you get there? And I'm like, oh, I totally talked to inanimate objects too when I move stuff. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm not the only one. Yay. So the guy goes to put a case up and then hears something rattling, looks up and, oh, poor guy. Yeah. A, I don't know, I want to say ball shape, like piece of debris shoots out of a case right through the guy's head. Right. Through all and attaches to what is assembled in the hangar. And that freaked me out. And all I kept thinking of was that, that old horror movie. Was it Phantasmic or something that had that killer silver ball? Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to put horror movie aspects into this now. Great. I thought the debris was supposed to be good. But we have another tech that Zimmer who walks in and hey, another case moves. And then he sees the guy on the floor with a large hole in his head. Yeah. And suddenly all the lights in the hangar go out. It's like, oh, this can only be good, right? Yeah, this is not good at all. <laughs> like, who's calling the Cenobites? What's happening? And then we get to cut to George, who has made it to the antenna field, which was really interesting. And I want to know if this was a real thing, because it seemed like it was a real thing. Yeah. Because this field was used for news broadcast to allies and shortwave radio communications during World War II. What? Yeah. So that's crazy. And I'm watching this and he just kind of cuts open the lock on the chain link fence and it opens and it's like, do, 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 do. Nobody's going to know I'm here. It's like, if this is a government thing, even if it's like shut down, shouldn't there be, I don't know, cameras somewhere? <laughs> well, when it was built, it was before there were security cameras. So yeah, but I feel like they would have put something there now because really that, that little chain link or that, that lock didn't do much. No, it didn't. And then. How? How does it still have power for everything? Yeah. That's what had me scratching my head. I'm like, do we just keep power going to all these things just in case? Sure seemed that way. Yeah, it was rather convenient that the power was still connected and everything seemed to be powering up just fine. Yeah, and who knows how long the last person was there. Right. Although you do see a cup with like a spider web coming from it, but really nasty people just leaving dirty cups. But anyway, <laughs> next thing we know, Brian and Fanola arrive. And still, I'm just thinking, come on, nobody notices this stuff. This must really be out in the middle of nowhere. I'm sure it is. Fanola then gives George a laptop with the Ligari files, as well as a bag of clothes. And George is like, oh, I don't need that. She's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's for more us. for us, Dad. And then he kind of stops like, oh, 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 I must know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, but at least it dawns on him. And I love this, that George is suddenly starting to remember what the things that he's lost, which makes right. me wonder how, I mean, if he had damaged the brain, is it somehow healing around the debris or with the debris? But he remembers what that piece of that influx is looking for does. It creates a map with locations of all debris pieces. That's great, right? I guess it depends on who, you who know, hand it's in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
like, yay, wait a second, this could be really bad. Yeah. Vanola asked George if he remembers why Maddox wants him dead. And I love it because, I don't know, we're just kind of tuning that part out. He's like, oh, maybe because he fears what he can't control. The government becomes more focused on their own interests and don't care about the scientific part. And then he just tells her, oh, but be wary of orbital. It's like, yeah. I think she already figured that out when they wanted you dead. Yeah, I would think so. Just, just saying. I mean, I'm loving George and he's so eccentric and I get it. But dude, come on. She figured that part out. Right. She's not like totally trusting them. Fine. She's come a long way in 10 episodes. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Brian comes in as he's bringing flies in for George and says, we got to go because something's happened back at Langley. Probably the last place they thought they were going to be going anytime soon. Exactly. And when they arrive, Maddox tells them that they lost all power in the hangar and had to evacuate. And of course, Maddox guesses it's in flux and they must have triggered something. You know what, Maddox? We don't believe you. So I don't know. I don't think Panola and Brian are ever going to believe anything that you say again. No, I but don't think so. Everybody who's watching, I think we're all like, Mm-mm, you're lying. You did something. What did you do? Right. Because that's immediately see- what I thought. Yeah, because he had gotten that piece last week that he didn't put in a request for. He just, something came up and he took it. You know what? And I kind of forgot that tech in the very beginning had a bunch of pieces out. Right. And he was talking to somebody and and said something about, oh, I don't have that requisition. Right. So, or I can't find it, something like that. So maybe it has something to do with that piece too. Like maybe that guy was looking for the piece Maddox had. Very possible. I forgot about that. Hmm. Interesting. So Brian and Vanilla end up entering the building and they see several technicians that they had been, well, they as in the whole team had been looking for facing the wall in a trance. And I'm like, oh my God, where's the Blair Witch? Because this is totally, (laughs) I'm like, if they start seeing little stick figures and stuff, I'm going to freak out. Yes. Yeah. There's several people online on Twitter mentioned the Blair Witch feel (laughs) this episode. I am seeing this in several shows all of a sudden because our other show that we talk about, Van Helsing, I said the same thing with this week's, like this last week's episode. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Everybody's like, you know what? Let's bring back Blair Witch and freak everybody out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Freaked me out then. I don't need it again now. Anyway, they do find a few other techs who are in a trance, but moving because they're taking cases and lining them up on the floor. It's like, well, at least they're being neat about it, not just throwing things. (laughs) Yeah, but you have to wonder what the hell is going on. Yeah, definitely. And I had said, oh, at least it's nice and neat. And except then the next thing we know, we see several cases on the floor smashed and open. It's like, oh, wait, maybe maybe they are smashing stuff. What's happening? Yeah. Except something really weird happened. I know you're surprised. What weird stuff happens in debris? Exactly. <laughs> the case flies towards them and then disappears and then reappears, smashed open and empty. And how close was Fanola to that, well, what they ended up calling the fold? Right. I mean, what if she had walked into it? Like, yes. would it have even affected her? Because we haven't seen any organic material go through there. No, and we never so, did. So, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it would have never even, like, affected them. It's but I'm glad they possible. didn't test that. Glad they didn't test the theory. Right. We have the team set up the equipment that 
news and news i couldn't figure out what they were saying if it was n u or if yeah. it was like in use or i was like what are they saying yeah it was in use okay i was like the little poles that's yeah. all i could think neutralizing unit probably oh good one steve that makes so much sense now so they turn them on and they're not working and they're going through all the different frequencies and just nothing is working. But suddenly one of the technicians that were was in a trance, they're being examined and they start to shake. And it's like, this doesn't look good. And they start to become kind of violent. Yeah. Like trying to pull away. And I think at this point is when Brian's like, let him go, let him go to see what's going to happen. Right. Which I'm like, really? I don't know if that's the best idea. No. <laughs> but they walk out of the tent and return to the hangar. And Finola at this point is deciding we need to cross-reference all of the cases to see what pieces are taken. What frequency was used to what make them null, right. I guess is the best way. Yeah. And if there's anything that could be taken from that, what's their number, what's in it, what's the size? And I thought that was really interesting. And I'm kind of like, why didn't they start thinking of that earlier? Because whoever's got to go over and look at the cases might get smashed in the head with one of the cases coming right. through. Exactly. Huh. Like, poor person. It's going to be like, okay, you're going to redshirt him. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so thinking, poor guy or girl. Oh, that was just, it was really weird what was happening. Yeah. And when Maddox thinks influx is behind it, yeah, you got to wonder if they're not doing something, but you also got to wonder if it wasn't because of what Maddox was doing. Well, the way it kept happening now, except for the smashing part, I kept thinking of that piece that he was using. Right. Throwing the chair in and and then it was appearing behind him through. Yeah. And I'm like, what did you do? Yeah. Exactly. Immediately, I'm like, Maddox did it. Yeah, it's all Maddox's fault. He's our bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to our next group of pieces. Brian follows the technicians into the room where they line up, and he has the room secured, so he thinks. <laughs> Brian goes to look at a partially assembled ship in the hangar and sees nothing unusual. And cross-referencing doesn't show any pattern that makes any sense to Finola, at least. And team member Lester suggests taking the cases outside. And when he picks one up, well, he gets blown backwards, and now he's in a trance. That was a heck of a shock he got. Yes, it was. So yeah, that trying to get the numbers off the cases might be a tad difficult. Suddenly, one of the other techs, Zimmer, shakes, falls to the floor, and dies. That's not good. No. Finola wonders how much longer till the same thing happens to the rest of them. Well, we go back out to George, who wasn't having any success at the antenna controls. So he goes out to the antennas, because one of them won't power up, and does some handyman's work on them. And at first, it doesn't power up. So George does what every red-blooded man would do bang on it <laughs> he's like i cleaned it and i reattached you why are you not working yeah and it powers up but as it does george hears the noise and looks out to his right and it's not quite shimmer but there's something there see i couldn't tell if there was something there or not or if he was just kind of paranoid right which he could have been that's for sure but i don't know because when you get to the very last scene right it's like maybe there is something because it's like it didn't make sense otherwise right yeah i kind of thought that maybe it could have been 
vehicle coming up the road that and the wind happened to be blowing that way and it stopped before it got to George and you kind of just get the trail of dust that goes past it if it's blowing opposite of the way the vehicles is going. So I was a little afraid that maybe Influx had found him. I was worried that Influx, Orbital, anybody. Right. Because we don't all of the above. Right. What, yeah, MI6, but, Chinese, like the Russians, even, who knows? Yeah, orbital could have shown up out there once they realized somebody was out there. Yeah. Or, or the government, somebody in the government, not necessarily Orbital, would be the ones going out. But yeah, at least somebody from the military checking it out. We never find out. Yeah, I was I was really worried. Nola calls George and tells him the taken pieces are random, but the numbers she reads to him ring a bell. Those are series ratios and harmonic sequences. Tells her the place... When the cases were disappearing and reappearing, calls it the seam, could get bigger and swallow up everything in its path and eventually throw the earth off its axis. That isn't good. Definitely not good. George suggests reversing the polarities of the NUs to create a force field to stop the pieces from entering the seam. And they try that. And by God, it does work. But Finola's meter is reading 467, and she says something's happening below them. Her what? Meter. Nobody thought to check anything else? Right. And they go down to the lower level, which neither one of them have been in before. And they walk through in a kind of a lab with stuff all over the place and some kind of new devices. And, and they find out blown out windows of an enclosed area where an explosion took place. As oh, well, nothing. no, not at all, until they look up and see a partially assembled debris piece on the ceiling. This probably isn't good either. <laughs> no, but I guess they were so focused on what was the weird stuff upstairs by the dead body. Right. That they didn't think about the downstairs weird stuff. Yeah. But they find schematics on details using debris for a weapon. They realize they are in a weapons lab. And of course the explosion might have triggered what's happening. Finola guesses that Maddox knew about this and claimed it was Influx's doing. She actually finds a folder with her father's notes. That just sets her off as they're using her father's work to build a weapon. So she marches upstairs and finds Maddox and confronts him. Of course, he says, well, didn't initially know what they were doing, but he felt the same as she does now when he found out. Uh, no. <laughs> Wrong. Do not bring up you know how she feels because right. you don't. Yeah, because he ends up rattling on and on about, well, everybody's trying to weaponize it. The Russians and the Chinese and even your country. Oh, yeah, I was afraid Maddox was about to get dead. I really thought she was going to hit him. Be like, I know you wanted my dad killed if we found him. You know, I, right. I just felt like he was going to like say it and she was going to lose it. Yeah, but she didn't. But she does shut him down by saying, my father took his life for all of this. Not giving away that she knows that he's alive. I'm glad that... She didn't give it away, but I right. feel like she did kind of shake up Maddox. Like, he looked a little, like, taken aback by that. Yes, absolutely. Not, not enough to, for him to stop doing what he's doing, but... Oh, hell no. Yeah, at least enough to have the grace to be like, oh, crap, okay. Yeah, my weapons lab has been discovered. Another employee falls to the ground, and others force their way back into the hangar. One of the techs grabs the NU and just evaporates. 
I was so freaked out. I'm like, oh, I guess we're not supposed to touch that. Or does it have something to do with him being like in this trance? I think it was a combination of the trance and the NUs having the polarities reversed. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, because as soon as they reverse the polarity, you know, we see one case start to take off for the, the seam. And just before it gets there, it bounces back. So it worked as a barrier between the seam and the cases so kind of worked one of the few things that worked <laughs> and the two dead employees are examined leaking cerebral spinal fluid from pressure on their skulls and their cells exploded yeah that's really gross too i didn't yes, look like slime was. coming out their ear <laughs> yeah and being possibly harmonic frequencies caused it well see all right, I have a question about that, too. Okay. All right, now, they're all being exposed to the frequencies. Right. But is it because they'd been in there longer or because they didn't have the suits on? Is like that why it's affecting them? I would say yes. Not having the hazmat suits on made them much more vulnerable. And I think a lot of it also had to do with the individual's physiology as to whether it affected them more than the other. Because we do see the two that died and they do kind of mention that maybe they were a little more susceptible to those specific frequencies than the others. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just, I didn't know. Because I was like, huh, what is this? Right. That's all. I was just wondering. I'm weird. (laughs) All right. Well, I said I'm weird. Let's get weirder, shall we? Yes. Brian is having a look at the technicians all lined up in the what the conference room behind glass when the lights start to flicker. And I'm like, well, this probably isn't good. And he sees a quick vision of a Sala behind the technicians. I'm like, oh, no. Right. What is happening? Yes, Brian's about to get (laughs) bamboozled here. And he looks to his left and he sees the chair that Muriel was sitting in last week. And here's that weird talking that she was doing where it was like whisper talking. Right. And here's the voice off in the distance. And then he sees Muriel. And I'm thinking, oh, this is really bad. Yes, this nothing. (laughs) This cannot end well. So he walks over towards Muriel, whether she's actually there or not. I was still questioning. Yes. And asks why. And she says it at the same time like he did. Right. And then she reaches her hand out to him. And I'm like, don't do it. I felt like I was watching a horror movie. Don't do it, Brian. Yeah. And what does he do? He reaches out and takes her hand. What the hell? Because at this point, they cut away. Yes. And I'm like, seriously, you're going to cut away now? Of course. Where we don't know what's going to happen. Is Brian even going to be alive? Right. And instead, we see our bearded baddie, Ash, in his prison cell. And I'm like, this is probably really bad, too. Yeah, this probably will be worse. (laughs) uh, Yeah. He asks to see the doctor. It's like, great. So he sees a doctor and the doctor takes an x-ray and sees a whole lot of stuff in his body. So I was surprised. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of pieces of that debris. Yeah, I think that's all debris. And that's why he's got some of the powers that he does. I I was not expecting all of that inside of him. Right. Because that was a lot. Yes, there was 25 to maybe 30 pieces that looked like inside him. Which is weird because they were, well, it wasn't necessarily them, right? Right. Experimenting on those people. And that was like one piece and and they weren't making it. So that many pieces, it's like, how? 
Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the doctor's like, hey, we got to get him to an emergency room. And I love it because he's like, see, I told you I was sick. Yeah. And then kills the guard. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, you are. Obviously, you just killed the guy. Yeah. And uses the doctor then to get the guard's keys, to get the cuffs on him. And we're going to use you for other stuff. And I'm sure that poor doctor was like ready to pee his pants. Yes, absolutely. He takes the doctor into a room and is like yelling at the doctor to grab the defibrillator, grab that wheelchair, turn it up. What's he say? Turn it up or I'm going to kill you next. Yeah, all the way up. Yeah, it's like at this point, I don't know, run? <laughs> but the doctor does it. And he puts all four panels on his chest. And the doctor's like, it's going to kill you. <laughs> it's like, well, then you're safe, doc, right? Right. But when he shocks himself, he doesn't die. Nope. I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> he activated something because he blips right. out and reappears, falling onto a car in a parking lot somewhere. And I love it because in the background, you see somebody loading groceries. And yeah, this poor lady. stops is like, <laughs> Yeah, I think that would probably be most people's reaction. Right. And then he just turns and looks. As he gets up, kind of wipes himself off. And he's like, um, can I bother you for your car keys? Right. <laughs> How about no, but you just came out of nowhere. So. Right. Yeah. So I think, yeah, she gladly handed it to him. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like. Hold on, can I get my groceries out of the car so I can? First, yeah. I got ice cream. I got ice cream in these bags. <laughs> Let me at least go in. You take the car. I I'll figure this out. <laughs> I don't know what I would say in that situation other than uh. <laughs> I think that would be it. Like if I was a comic, it would just be like those three dots that keep coming up because you don't know what to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> That had to be like the weirdest experience for somebody, yeah, who's not part of like any of this government stuff. So I love it that you had like a real reaction. She didn't like scream and go off. She's just like, and my brain just short short circuited. Thank yes, you. Yes, absolutely, it did. <laughs> <laughs> So let's go back to Brian and Finola, and we see that second tech who died being examined. And Brian's like, hey, Finola, I need to talk to you. Actually, he didn't say anything. He just kind of said it with his eyes. Yeah. Looked at <laughs> because her he and... was standing outside the room and she just looked and was like, okay, he looks weird. Let's go talk. Yeah. Had a weird, real weird smile on his face. <laughs> yes, he did. I was like, what is with that half mile smirk thing? It's kind yeah. of creepy. <laughs> it was pretty creepy. <laughs> and I was really feeling like a, what a lot of people were saying, like, that's not the real Brian, that's the clone. Right. Especially when he starts talking to, to Finola. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know how I feel about this. Because he tells Finola that he's seen Muriel and that he says he understands everything now. Because I took her hand, you know, like when you guys stopped me last time, it's like, uh-oh. Yeah. And they need to let the scene finish its job. And Phil's like, oh, how about we go outside and get you checked out? Right. <laughs> I'm 100% on board with Finola at this point. And then Brian insists that we'll kill people if the scene doesn't finish its job. I can feel it. See, at first, when he's like, we'll kill people, I'm like, wait. Do you mean we as in the debris or right. we as in you and I? Right, I'm like, yeah. How is, who is this we you speak of, Brian? Exactly. <laughs> and I can feel it. And it's like, yeah, I know I sound different. And Finola, come on. I don't know how else to describe it. Because remember how you believed that the debris was here to do something good and to show us things? That faith. And you have to believe me because I believed you then. And it's like playing on her emotions now i right. see 
<laughs> and suddenly Janola's like, okay. I'm like, maybe call your dad. I don't know. Like, time out. This doesn't seem right. And Finola decides, okay, we're going to shut down the NUs. And everyone's like, are you sure? It's like, right. yep, yeah, fine. <laughs> See, even the pod dog thought it was a bad idea. <laughs> and suddenly the remaining cases shoot through at a much quicker pace, mind you. Right. They just went. Yeah. It's <laughs> like a vacuum cleaner sucking them up. <laughs> and Brian's like, huh, okay, it's not putting it together. So we need the piece from downstairs. Somebody bring me a Dorito. It's like, uh, what? You're hungry? <laughs> it took a second. It really did yeah. for me. I'm like, because we see them downstairs and it's that little like triangle piece of debris. Now, right. was it a Dorito or a nacho? Yeah. I can't remember what he said. Yeah, I think he said Dorito. Oh, okay. Because all of a sudden I'm like, man, I want nachos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they lift it up with like a really cool kind of caliper. Right. Because <laughs> it was like floating in between. And suddenly the piece that was downstairs float through the ceiling and joins the seam and it disappears. And the next thing we know, the ball of light appears. The ball of light that has been referenced in two other episodes. Right. This is what I was talking about. Yeah. It's like, all right, so you're throwing this in here, but I didn't understand what's going to happen. How did the people in the past episodes, when this hadn't existed, know about it? Right. Now I'm all freaking out. But it floats up through the ceiling of the hangar and then outside, and everyone's just kind of staring at it. Right. Very close encounters of the third kind. (laughs) And everybody's face, it almost looked like everybody was suddenly at peace with everything. Right. Or was that just me? No, they definitely looked like they were all just in awe of whatever that thing is. And it didn't seem huge. No. Like, I would say not bigger than, I would say kickball or basketball. Because it didn't look huge. I'm not sure it was even that big. Okay. But I thought it was weird. And then it just floats away. And everyone's like, huh. Like, nobody's freaking out. Nobody's like, we need to stop this. Even Maddox was just like, oh, pretty. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. But then we cut away to George, who is sitting, oh, my God, George, in a whole cloak of aluminum foil. <laughs> He's like, are you cocooning in that? What is happening? Right. <laughs> And he's talking on the phone to Fanola. And I'm like, how are you even picking up anything with all that? But okay. But she fills him in on what just happened. And George is like, wow, that's fascinating. And then he's like, I found it. The important piece. It's here in Virginia. Right. And I'm like, wait, was it the piece that just floated away? I don't think so. Okay. Because I'm like, wait, did they make the piece? And that's how he found it? Right. Now, that is a possibility, but I I don't think so. Okay. That's what I was thinking. And I'm like, what? What is happening? Right. But then we get to cut away to Maddox, who is on the phone with that female Russian operative who says she has the rest of it. And don't worry, it's in a remote location. We'll meet tomorrow and make the exchange. I'm like, Maddox, you could be in trouble. What if one of your pieces were the ones that zipped through that seam? Exactly. I don't know, man. And I mean, we had assumed that whatever he was doing was to help his son. Right. Now his wife took his son to Texas, right? Well, that's where where she had wanted to take him. Now, I don't know if that's actually what happened. We haven't gotten that Oh, that's true. Well, plus, that wasn't necessarily this reality. True. We don't know where she wanted to go. Hmm. Like, now that I think about that, it's like, huh. So we know Maddox is... Yeah, having George make it from Oregon to Virginia kind of seems like that the re- the original reality has changed because 
when they first saved George, there's no way he could have gotten himself from Oregon to Virginia. No, it didn't seem that way. Right. So, yeah, I think this reality is probably a little skewed from where we started from, at least. I'm going to throw this out there because this could be even weirder because we don't know if his son even survived the accident. In right. Absolutely, we don't. So maybe that's not what this piece is for, but there's a lot of maybes here. So yeah. we'll have to get back to that. So we go back to Ash, who clearly needs some driving lessons or at least parking lessons. <laughs> He's he meets up. They drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> He meets up with his influx cohort who tells him that Otto says George Jones has located the important piece. What? So is that Miss Otto or is it something like somehow with the eye, you know, like how Ash was able to see through the other guard's eye? Right. Like maybe it's something like that. Yep. Very possible. So I thought it was interesting, though, because at first Ash gets in the car and he's like, you know, our guy's like, hey, you're early. He's like, yeah, I need, what did she say, burgers and fries and tacos, everything with a lot of grease. Right. It's like. Have you been out drinking? Because it's some White Castle, you'll be fine. It's fine. But ultimately, after we find out that the piece has been located, Ash is like, that man's a genius. And I'm assuming that man is George and not Otto. But they drive off into the sunset, so to speak. So are they leaving George alone? Did George know that somehow they were able to trace him? And that's why they he keeps putting the aluminum foil on himself. That would surprise me that he was trying to protect himself from influx by using the aluminum foil. But Mm -hmm. it makes sense that if influx had found him when he was out fixing that one antenna and that's kind of what freaked him out the noise he heard Mm -hmm. then yeah i could see that see the influx agent sitting outside the control room and monitoring what george is looking at and as soon as he tells finola he's found it because we see it on his screen influx gets that information right then as well this is not good no not at all (laughs) so we've got a race on our hands here (laughs) yes we got influx heading there we've got brian and finola heading there And we don't know what Maddox is going to do about this because he's got a meeting with the Russian. Right. Well, we know we have the other countries with people heading there because we don't know. Somebody could have figured out that, well, somebody, not necessarily George, hacked into the satellites that they were talking about and been like, wait, something's weird. We should all go there. And then we still have the huge question mark from the guy from the end of last episode talking about like native american stories right, and yes. was it blackwater grandfather yes and what the heck is that what all that about exactly <laughs> so i have again more questions than answers but big surprise yep because that's what this does like i said we're trying to put together a puzzle without having a clue what it is right now, I have a feeling that our little ball of light there is basically the power source for the ship. Oh, do you? Yeah. I think See, I was thinking it was like life main force control somehow. and power and everything. So, so, yeah, that may have a lot some intelligence to it as well. That's interesting. Right. Because 
it flew off. Where to? I bet we'll see it with the piece that they're going after. What do you bet? Oh my gosh, this is just getting weird. I love it. Love it. Well, you know how we feel about this episode and all the questions we have. We want to know how you feel and what questions you have or what answers you have to our questions. Because I know somebody else has tinfoil hat theories and I want to know what they are. So shoot us an email at contactus at fangirlzone.com because we'd love to hear from you. And while you're at it, if you can please rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. Tell your friends about this show because it's crazy. And if they like sci-fi, I think they're going to totally dig this. Oh, yeah. And we do, of course, hope you're enjoying the podcast as well. And for this episode of Falling Pieces, I'm Steve. To understand the truth, you have to believe. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. I really still want some nachos. <laughs>